0: Here. Um, we uh we're looking at uh, last we were gonna try to do some Christmas decorating the last time we were here, but uh fortunately the weather there was a concern about the weather, so we ended up postponing it. We've decided uh, we were gonna try it again on the 3rd of December. It's a Saturday at noon. So we're looking for volunteers. If you can come out and uh, be a part of decorating the church and getting it ready for the Christmas season here. Uh, we'd love to have uh, uh, as many of you as willing to come out Saturday at noon, and we're going to f- try to decorate in here and the fellowship hall. So if you're available, uh, please uh, get a hold of Jackie. Um, you can call the church or call Jackie and let her know that you'd be willing to come out and help. That way we kind of know who's going to who can be here to help with that. So that's on the 3rd of December. And then... Uh, potluck sunday where you know we're doing these potluck sundays uh, again if you're if you're here or visiting and you haven't been here before uh, immediately following the main service today we'll be having a potluck over in the fellowship hall please don't leave just because you didn't bring food please we, you're all invited you're welcome to stay we'd love for you to stay uh there will be a, a short service following that that will we'll be over there and we'll just stay over there and and uh have another short service but uh Next week, we will have another potluck again, and the sign-up sheets should be in the back here, and we're looking at doing a taco bar for next week. So we need some people to sign up to make some taco meat, and then, of course, we need all the, the sides and stuff, the, uh, the shells and the cheese and the onions and hot sauce and all the good stuff that goes on tacos. So and uh, uh, bring salsa, whatever you'd like, but the sign-up sheet's in the back, and that just helps us to know who's bringing what and uh, so that we don't have a, a lot of one thing and not enough of another. So so if you would, please make sure you get to the back there and sign up for that. for uh, men would come forward for the offering at this time. And Randy, if you'd pray for our offerings.
1: father god lord it's a privilege to give back to the one that's given us all life eternal lord we just praise you for who you are lord and and father i pray for each and every person here lord if there's one that know you're not a savior lord father don't let them go out the doors without receiving you lord uh, i just pray for uh, the service lord that you would uh, speak through brother jim lord that uh Father, that He would bring the words that come straight from You, and Lord, that they'd permeate our hearts, Lord, and that we'd go out of here different than we came in. Lord, I ask as if we take up these offerings, Lord, that You would bless the gift and the giver, and Lord, that uh, You would multiply these monies as only You can, and give us the wisdom to put them in the proper places. And we're going to thank You ahead of time, Lord, because uh, we want to be pleasing. Lord, I just pray all these things in the holy and precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. A special sign from Linda.
0: Is he your desire? I would hope so. This morning as we uh, come into his presence with thanksgiving, that's the title of the message this morning, um, we are going to be looking at thanksgiving. I realize that we've all had thanksgiving and uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed their thanksgiving. At this time we'll go ahead and release all the kids for children's church. Little ones can go for children's church. Thanksgiving is a time of giving thanks and uh, spending time with family and eating lots of food, right? And I'm, I'm sure as many of us found ourselves in a. I, I know myself personally. I, I ate way too much uh, for Thanksgiving. So before we get in the message, I did want to share five signs with you that you ate too much for Thanksgiving uh, this weekend. The first sign is that the doctor tells you that your weight would be perfect if you were 17 feet tall. Uh, The the second reason that you ate too much for uh, Thanksgiving is that paramedics bring in the jaws of life to pry you out of your easy chair. Um, The third reason is that the potatoes you use set off another famine in uh, Ireland. Uh, number four, you received a sumo wrestler application in your email. And the last reason, and this is probably true of me, uh, pricking your finger for a cholesterol screening only yielded gravy. So so uh, with that said, yeah, I know I ate too much, but I had, uh, we had a wonderful Thanksgiving, spent time with my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, spent time with my, my daughter and my son-in-law, and my wife, and my son. So it was small Thanksgiving for us, um, considerably down from when our days in Lancaster, when uh, we would have 27 people in our home, as we'd invite lots of students from the college into our home. So uh, we love entertaining, and we love that time Thanksgiving. Uh, I did want to mention, there is a handout this morning. Uh, Most of you have received a bulletin. There's a handout in your bulletin for this message. If you have that handout, if you would, open it up real quickly, and if you go to um, the third point, on the third point, right under the third point, the letter A, um, line through what's beside letter A there, I need you to change it, I caught this after I sent it to Jackie and had her print it, Um, you want to change it to say, hear his voice, hear his voice, that will be uh, letter A under the third point. In our message, So it'll make more sense now when we get there, hopefully. You'll be trying to fill in that blank, and I want you sitting there going, what did he say? What goes in this blank? Uh, nothing uh, goes in that blank. So uh, hear his voice is what we want on there. Well, with that said, uh, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and we'll get into our text this morning. Heavenly Father Lord in heaven, again, we just come before you humbly uh, and thankful, thankful to you. For your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thankful to you uh, for your son and his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Thankful for the precious gift of salvation that only Jesus brings to us. So, Father, uh, help us always to be thankful. Each and every day, uh, as, as we get into your word, we're thankful for the truth of your word. And help us to apply it to our lives, Father. Living out your word, being uh, salt and light in the community for you. We love you. We praise you. I pray now that you fill me with the Spirit. You use me mightily to deliver your message. I pray it's your voice that goes forth and not mine. It is your message that is heard, and not mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, if you will, turn your Bibles to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Uh, we'll read. It's a short psalm, so we'll go through it here. Uh, psalm 95 says. Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His, and He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are, his, are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Today if ye will hear his voice. Harden not your heart. As in the provocation. And as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me proved me, and saw my work, forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. The subject this morning is Thanksgiving. My question for you this morning is, are you thankful for life? Are you thankful for life? Uh, The reason I'm doing a Thanksgiving message following the uh, Thanksgiving is I want us to be reminded that we should be thankful all year long, not just at the time, uh, at the season of Thanksgiving. Uh, We should have, uh, it it should be Thanksgiving every day in a Christian's life, in a believer's life. And so the question is, are you thankful for life? I think we should all come before God with this type of, of thanksgiving. We should all come into his presence with, a th- with this type of thanksgiving, think, thankful for life. Uh, praying such prayers such as this. Even though I clutch my blankets and groan when the alarm rings each morning, thank you, Lord, that I can hear there are those who are deaf. Even though I keep my eyes tightly closed against the morning light as long as possible, thank you, Lord, that I can see there are many who are blind Even though I huddle in my bed and put off the physical effort of rising, thank you, Lord, that I have the strength to rise. There are many who are bedridden. Even though the first hour of my day is hectic, when socks are lost, uh, toast is burned, tempers are short, thank you, Lord, for my family. There are many who are lonely. Even though our table never looks like the pictures in the magazines and the menu is at times unbalanced, Thank you, Lord, for the food we have. There are many who are hungry. Even though the routine of my job is often monotonous, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work. There are many who have no work or have not the ability to work. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. The gift of life. Thanksgiving is a time to remember, to be thankful for that which uh, we have been blessed with. Uh, Again, I've chosen to do this so that we are reminded of being thankful throughout the entire year and not just at this season of Thanksgiving. We need to be thankful in everything. We need to be thankful for the good times and the bad. We, 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 We often, it's easy to thank God when everything's going good. It's not so easy to be thankful to God When uh, times are difficult. Are you grateful for what the Lord has done for you? Are you content with where the Lord has you? Uh, One person once said, The foundation of gratitude is the expectation of nothing. The foundation of gratitude is the expectation of nothing. That's real uh, gratitude there. That's, That's showing contentment in what you have. 1 Timothy six six nine 9 goes on to add, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they, uh, but they that uh, will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. What we see here is we need to be thankful. We, we, we should be content with what we have. But oftentimes what he's seeing here is there are those who are rich or there are those who, and, and as Americans, we are a very wealthy people. In comparison to the rest of the world, we are extremely wealthy. And therefore, we find ourselves always looking forward to what's next. Uh, you know, I'd really, like, really like a newer truck. Uh, I'd really like to buy that camper. Uh, man, I could, I could really use another rifle with the other 27 in my gun cabinet. We are always looking for We can't be content with what we have. But when we show contentment, we show thanksgiving. We come into his presence with thanksgiving. Another quote I wanted to share with you is uh, from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I love what Charles Spurgeon says here with regards to kind of contentment and, 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 and with thanksgiving. He said, when we bless God for mercies, we usually prolong them. When we bless God for miseries, we usually end them. Praise is the honey of life, which a devout heart extracts from every bloom of providence and grace. See, Charles Spurgeon's pointing out, look, when we we give God the glory for the mercies in our, he'll prolong them in our life. And when when we go to God and praise him for the difficult times, which is often hard to do, but if we go to them, we have a God who wants to end those. But oftentimes we find ourselves further and further, getting further from God in difficult times, trying to handle it in our own strength. And God's sitting there and says, hey, cast all your cares upon me, for he careth for you. So do you come before his presence with thanksgiving? That's our challenge this morning. That's our proposition. Do you come before his presence with thanksgiving? This morning I want to show you three important incentives that should keep believers coming before his presence with thanksgiving. The first incentive is the will of God. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2, the will of God. Uh, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. It's God's will that each and every one of us as a believer be a thankful person. That we be thankful to God. That we be thankful to others. That we should be a thankful people. I am thankful that we have a thankful church. I am thankful this is a very thankful church. How how do I know? You haven't been here that long. How do you know this is a thankful church, Pastor Jim? Because you make a joyful noise. Because you sing unto the Lord. That's what it says here. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. I've been very impressed from the first time I set foot in this church of the number of people. It's a small choir. But it's a choir. And, and, and it's a choir that sings out. And you can see the love of the Lord and the thankfulness in their hearts as they sing unto the Lord. We'd love to see more people in the choir. But it's also not just the choir. It's the congregation singing back. I stand up here and I can hear everyone singing. And it drowns me out and it makes life better for you. So... It's a joyful noise. That's what I make, a joyful noise. Everyone else is singing unto the Lord, okay? And I'm thankful for that because I see the thankfulness in you. I see thankfulness. I see people who want to stand up. It's not easy singing a solo. Uh, I sing solo. You don't want to hear me, so that's why I sing solo. But ultimately, I love to see people who have a desire to come up here and sing and do specials. There are a lot of churches that don't have specials. Especially churches that are small. There's a lot of small churches that don't have a choir. But you see a thankful church. will they, They're singing unto the Lord. They're singing praises unto the Lord. And so I, 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 uh, I see this in our church. This church demonstrates uh, thankfulness. It demonstrates thankfulness every morning. And we should be thankful uh, our church is thankfulness as we rejoice in God's salvation. That's what it says here in verse 1. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So we are a thankful person. What are we to be thankful for? We, uh, we, we rejoice in God's salvation. When we rejoice in God's salvation, we are coming into his presence with thanksgiving. And what do we rejoice about his salvation? First and foremost, we rejoice in his provision. Provision. His provision, Psalms 107, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. See, there should be no happier or thank- more thankful people on the face of the earth than the redeemed of the Lord. Uh, may I say to you this morning, if you're here this morning and you're redeemed, can I hear an Amen. Hey, amen, hallelujah, yeah. See, a bad moment for an atheist is when he feels grateful and has no one to thank. Who's an atheist going to thank? We get to go to the Lord and thank Him for His goodness. And they have the same opportunity if they will just surrender, submit, and trust in Jesus. But not only that, we also are thankful in his presence, for his presence. Uh, Let us come before his presence. John 15, verses 14 and 15 says, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. See, God wants you to come boldly to the throne. He wants you to come boldly to his throne. And, and that's 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 exciting. When we consider who God is, we are his creation. He is our creator. Uh, oftentimes we enter into a, a lifestyle of I I want to I surrendered to the ministry because I want to serve my God. I, uh, I, I appeal to James 1 1 james a servant which the word servant means slave to god and our lord jesus christ Uh, so uh, we we come across we when we we want to be a servant a servant refers to slavery of a form of slavery serving god but you know what's really awesome here god says look i want you to be my friend See, a servant and master relationship is nowhere near as close as a a friend's relationship with one another. God wants a relationship with you. Yes, it's okay to serve him, but you can also be his friend. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He desires fellowship. He created Adam and Eve. We know that he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He came looking for them after they sinned. He wasn't He knew where they were, but we know that the Bible says he was looking for them. But he knew what had happened already. But God desires fellowship. Uh, Genesis 5, 25 says, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Look, Enoch's relationship was so intimate with God that he didn't even have to experience death. Imagine what we could have if we had an intimate relationship like Enoch. And there's still the hope for the rapture. I'm still hopeful for it. But I'm not in a hurry for it. There are a lot of people outside these walls that need to know Jesus Christ before Jesus returns. Before the rapture happens. And I would rather give up an opportunity to be raptured, to have one more day to lead someone to Jesus Christ and suffer death that that person may be raptured. We should rejoice in his presence. But we, and, and so we, uh, we rejoice in these things. We also rejoice in God's strength. Not only his salvation, but we rejoice in God's strength. Look at verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a king above all gods. He is a great God and a king above all gods. Revelation, uh, or, so when we talk about rejoicing in his strength, the first thing I want you to see, we rejoice in the strength in his strength as sovereign. We rejoice in his strength as our sovereign. Revelation nineteen sixteen says, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. <clears throat> that is our God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And therefore, he is sovereign over all. I think the greatest passage that speaks of the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 12 Verse 10 kind of leads into it. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. (coughs) Then 11 and 12 just really speak of sovereignty of God. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. That is a sovereign God. Everything is His. Nothing, nothing on the face of this earth or in this universe or beyond what we have even been able to comprehend in our minds it all belongs to Him. He created it all. He brought it all into existence. But He's not only our sovereign. He's also, we rejoice in His strength as a sustainer. Look at verse 4. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. We see Him as a sustainer in Colossians 1, verses 17 and 18. And He is before all things and by Him all things Consists. He is the head of the body of uh, of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So ultimately, in verse seventeen, here we see that by him all things consist. God holds all things together. He holds all things together. You know, one of the things they teach in college is uh, the idea that um, you know when we look at the universe that just a slight tilt of the planet's axis, it's like ridiculous. It's not very much. A slight tilt in that axis would cause us to draw closer to the sun or if we were even like, I can't even remember why they said what it was, so much closer to the sun. or We are in such a perfect spot that it allows life. If we were to get out of that just a tiny bit all life, we would either freeze to death or burn up. But God holds it all together. He, he keeps everything in line. He keeps everything, you know, and, and so we see this. He is a sustainer. Hebrews 1.3 adds, who, is, uh, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things uh, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Our God is the sustainer. He, he's a sustainer. He is the one that holds all things together. And finally, I want you to rejoice in his strength as the source of life. He is also the source of life. In Colossians 1.16, we see, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He is the source of life. Everything that is here is because of him. So we rejoice in him as our sovereign. We see his strength as our sovereign. We see his strength as in, in our sustainer. And we see his strength um, there, lastly, uh, in it, sustainer, and as our source of life, source of life. So we see that our first incentive is the will of God. It is God's will for all of us, to be thankful. And we should be thankful for his salvation. We should be thankful for the strength. We should come into his presence with thanksgiving. Because of his strength. Because of the gift of salvation. But I also want you to see the worship to God. The worship to God. Look at verse 6. Oh come let us worship and bow down. <coughs> let us kneel before the Lord. Our maker. This is a show of our thanksgiving. But let's, let's face it. Um, sometimes our Thanksgiving, um, our show isn't as as grand as it should be. It becomes a bit casual in our worship, and times it becomes more of a routine. Uh, we have a ten- tendency to fall into a routine with our worship, and and it should never be that way. We should come through those doors into His presence with thanksgiving. Uh, we should we should be thankful every day for, the, like I said at the beginning, the gift of life. We should have a proper respect when we come through those doors of who God is, who it is we are here for. Why do we get up in the morning and, and go out in the cold to be in this church? Because he is worthy. That's what we learned last week. Because he is worthy of our worship. Uh, well, what, what I point out the other day is, is Satan wants us to focus on the negative. He's worthy of our worship. He asks us to come here one day a week. We get seven, he wants one. Why, why can't we give him one? So we should be in church, we should be here to worship our God. But it becomes routine. But it won't if we're reminded that one, in verse 7a, we, the first part of 7, we see that he is our God. Look at verse 7, for he is our God. If we put it into perspective, he is our God. And we just talked about him as sovereign, as sustainer, and as the source of life. We talked about the gift of salvation that he brings us. Uh, He is worthy of our worship. He is our God. Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Who doesn't want that? Who does not want that? He will uphold you. He will strengthen you. He will help you in your time of need. When we consider what he has done for us, what he wants to do for us, we should come before him in thanksgiving. Uh, again, when I say he is our God, let's talk about how amazing our God is. We talked about this uh, this next passage, Philippians 2, 6-8. We talked about this in our Sunday school, so it will be a little repetitive for those of you who are at Sunday school. But it says here, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what are we saying here about our God? We're talking about a God who was In heaven. In heaven looking down on sinful man, seeing what was going on, and looks to the father and says, Father, they're lost in their sins. What can we do for them? What can we do? And the father looks at his son and he says, well, you have to die for them. I have to let you go down there and you have to live amongst them and then you have to give your life because you're the only worthy Uh, sacrifice you're the only one that can atone for their sins my son and what does jesus say thy will be done thy will be done he is our god the god who uh, who loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son he is our god who as the son came down amongst man and was born of a virgin and lived a, a, a life, uh, 33 years, 33 plus years, on this earth. Living amongst us, a bunch of filthy, no good, rotten, low down sinners. But he loved us so much that Jesus... It talks about him. He became, uh, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to equal God. He is equal with God. He is the son of God. He is the second part of the Trinity. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He didn't come down as the king of kings and lord of lords, even though he is. He came down in the form of a servant, showing his humility. I I think it's uh, humble enough that he left heavenly abode to live here. We're all in a hurry to get... We all want to be in heaven one day. Uh, I've often heard it said, even if somebody... People who die and go to heaven, even if they could, they wouldn't come back. Why? Once you're in heaven, man, who wants to come back? And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ died. He suffered. He died and gave his life on the cross of Calvary so that you could have eternal salvation. So that you can have an opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. If you will just trust in Him. If you will have that heart belief that Jesus gave His life on the cross. That He lived, died, was buried, and rose again. Putting your faith in Him. He is our God. But I also want you to see we are His people. Look at the second part of there: For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture. And the sheep of his hand. We are his people. 1 Peter 2:25 says, "For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls." All we like sheep have gone astray, right? We're all sinners. We've all gone astray, but we can come back to the shepherd. He is there waiting. He is there searching. He came here to save sinners. came to seek and to save the lost because we are his people galatians 3:26 adds for ye are the children of god by faith in christ jesus my grandmother used to say all the time uh, i loved her all the time she just would always she look at me with a beaming beaming smile on her face and said i am a child of the king i am a child of the king praise god that we are children of god and let me remind you oftentimes so many people get caught up in, in losing their salvation. I have a son, Trayton. He's not here this week. Um, and I have two daughters, Ashley and Emily. No matter what they do in their life, no matter if one day one of them calls me up and says, Dad, I don't want to speak to you ever again. I don't want you calling me. Whatever nothing changes the fact that I am their father. And if that is how it works for us, how much more is it with God? That when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you become a child of God, nothing can separate you from your father. You may walk away from him, he will never walk away from you. The most faithful father any child can have is God the Father. Understand who God is and who we are in relation to God should provoke us to properly worship our God as He is worthy. Therefore, we should enter into His presence with thanksgiving. We do this by making a joyful noise and singing praises unto Him, not murmuring and disputing. So this morning we have discovered two incentives that should bring us before him in thanksgiving. The first being the will of God. The second, the worship of God. And finally, I want you to see the warning from God. The warning from God. Look at uh, the, the latter part of verse 7 here that we just read. It says, today, if ye will hear his voice. If ye will hear his voice. The warning is, hear, we need to be hearing his voice. Hear His voice. We must heed the warning from God to hear His voice. God is the voice of wisdom and truth, not the world. God is the voice of wisdom and truth. And we should always be listening. Everything that is in this book, this is the voice of God for us today. You are not going to hear an audible voice from God. You may hear Him speaking to you through the Holy Spirit in your conscience but God will not be an audible voice that others can, you and others hear around you. He speaks to you through a still, small voice, through the word of God. And you must be in the word of God if you're going to hear his voice. You know, we think of the, the story about Samuel uh, when he was uh, with Eli, and Eli laid him down to bed, and Eli went to bed, and, and God was speaking to Samuel, and he says, Samuel, Samuel, oh, here am I. And he goes running into Eli. You called? No, dude, go back to bed. It wasn't me. And so he goes back to bed. And multiple times before Eli finally realizes, dude, God's speaking to you because I'm not calling you. It's got to be God. of course, they didn't have the completed scriptures then, so God did speak in an audible voice. But uh, But Samuel didn't understand it first. And until it was brought to his attention, no, no, next time... You hear that. You hear your name called. Respond, Here am I, Lord. Here am I. So, you know, and and that's what we should be doing. When we get into the word of God and we come across something, uh, oh, we need more laborers in the harvest. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Oh, oh, we need uh, need to be more faithful in in our church attendance. Oh, here am I, Lord. Send me. You know, We, we get into the word of God and he tells us, and he shows us so many things that we fail to heed the the warning of hearing his voice because we don't get into God's word, and therefore we don't hear his voice, and therefore we, we don't uh, we end up getting further and further from the word. And as we get further and further from the word, we're getting further and further from our God, because you can't have a relationship with God outside the Word of God. There is no relationship. When we get further, and and let me ask you this, how do you enter into into his presence with thanksgiving if you're not even close to him? You'll never be a thankful person if you're not in your Bible, if you're not reading it, if you're not studying it, if you're not uh, in church hearing the word preached. You should be close to the word of God. You know, uh, I always loved it at... um, Lancaster Baptist Church, you know, or West Coast Baptist College, man. Pastor Chapel, you know, I want you boys up here in the front row, man. You get close to the preaching. You you could tell. The, the guys that wanted it, wanted it, man. They were in the front row, okay. You know, when Pastor Chapel's preaching, you wear a raincoat because you're going to get spit on. But it's... uh. You, you want to be close to the preaching. And that's what our desire should be, getting close to the preaching, getting close to God through his word, through the preaching of his word. Uh, you, know, and, and, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith will grow. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You want to get to the heart of the matter? Which we learned a while back that what, what do we learn about the heart? The heart is evil, is only evil continually. The heart is only evil continually. So how do we defeat evil? Well, we hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. We get into the Word of of God because that's the second warning. If we're not in the Word of God, then you can bet you're going to fail on the second warning. In verse 8, it says, harden not your heart, right? Harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So uh, what do we see the psalmist telling us? Do not harden your hearts. Uh, If you get away from the Word of God, you will harden your heart. Hebrews 3, eight says, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Oh, that's funny. That's what Psalms 95 says. Word for word. The author of Hebrews evidently was reading Psalms 95. We know that the author of Hebrews was somebody who read the word of God, was in the word of God. So what are we talking about here? What are we talking about this provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness? And we've been, again, if you've been at Sunday school and stuff, and, and actually this was a big part of, of the message last week as we looked at is he worthy, as we looked at the, the, the Red Sea crossing and we looked at uh, the Jordan River crossings, the Red Sea being a, a picture of salvation and the Jordan River a picture of sanctification. And that's what he's talking about. They, they had their Red Sea crossing. These people are saved. They've been delivered from Egypt. We as believers, we've been saved, we're delivered from hell, but what do we do? Well, the nation of Israel gets going and they get, he brings them to the Jordan River and, hey, we want you to cross here, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. Oh, okay, uh, Moses decides to put t- uh, 12 spies together, picks these 12 men, sends one, one from each tribe, sends them into the land of Canaan. Go spy out the land before we begin our conquest. Two spies come back with a positive report. Joshua and Caleb, hey, let's go. If the Lord's with us, who can be against us, man? They're already a conquered people because God's on our side. Right? They're already conquered. No, 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 no. no. There's ten other guys that say, whoa, whoa, you don't want to go in there. There's giants in the land. Uh, there's, we, there, there's no way we would it. The walled cities. There's walled cities, man. We live in tents. Okay? Walled cities. We're not going to break down those walls. You're right, you're not. God is. They provoked God in their unbelief. And what do we do as believers? We get saved and we trust God for our salvation, but we won't trust God for our cancer, we won't trust God for our financial difficulties. Or poor relationships for a, difficult, for a marriage that's struggling? No, we'll, we'll, we'll seek out worldly counselors. Uh, we'll yeah, go into a marriage counselor who just recently got divorced. Um, what? Seriously? There's no better marriage counselor than Jesus Christ. There's no better financial advisor than Jesus Christ. Um, and there's no better physician... Than Jesus Christ. So we need to be in the word. We need to. Uh, because if we're not. We're going to harden our hearts. And we're going to provoke. God wants us to cross our Jordan River. He wants to bless us. But we don't get into the word of God. We don't cross into the promised land. That he's promised us. And we lose out on all the blessings. That he has for us. What did the nation of Israel lose out on? They lost out on uh, grapes. And, and, and fruits. And and they lost out on, mil- you know, the, the land was flowing with milk and honey, okay? They had all kinds, what did they do? They wandered in the wilderness and complained, there's no water. So God gave them water out of a rock. But they complained, we're starving to death. We want to go back to Egypt, where there's all the leeks and the, and the onions, and we can eat to our heart's content. They, it, but we've got to go back into slavery. And we as believers, we want to go back into the slavery of sin, and we want to hang out with the world. Instead of growing and becoming holy and drawing closer to God in our life and being the light of the world that He has called us to be, I love what John Phillips says. He says uh, uh, he talks about these people, the Israelites, a people who had trusted God to bring them out of Egypt, simply refused to trust God to bring them into Canaan. As a result, they lost not their salvation. But the joy, the peace, and the rest God intended for them in the promised land. And that's what we lose out. Look, you don't lose your salvation. The Jordan River crossing is not about, the promised land is not heaven. Okay? The promised land is the blessings that God has promised us. If we'll step out in faith and continue to walk with him. Israel chose not to walk with him. God was ready to cross and to conquer. For them. And they decided to follow the ten spies. We see that it says there what? They wandered for forty years. God says, I was grieved. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation. And said, it is a people that do err in their heart. They hardened their heart. And they have not known my ways. You know, you can't know God's ways if you're not in God's word. See, his thoughts... Are not our thoughts, nor are our ways his ways. You must be in the Word of God to know it. Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Look, God's not going to bless you if you're not walking with him. It's not something, God wants to bless you, but he wants a relationship. <coughs> he wants that desire. And so, uh, when you harden your heart, you sear your conscience. That's what happens. You become seared uh, to the point that eventually nothing bothers you anymore. First Timothy four two says, "Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron." Uh, you know, we, we had the opportunity uh, uh, this past uh, summer. Was this summer or last? Maybe it was last summer. I can't even remember now. Uh, but my son, I took my son, and he got to uh, work. Well, I guess it was in the spring. Last, just this last spring, my son got to work on a. Uh, on a ranch. Uh, we went out and helped um, a dear brother with their branding on the ranch. We drove out to Broadus, Montana. And uh, long drive, but it was it was so awesome. And my son was out there and I get video of him and pictures and he's helping. Ra- they do it the old way, man. They go in, they, they round up all the, the cows, they run the cows out, leave the calves in a, a little stall area, and then they go in one at a time, rope them by the back feet, drag them out, and they, they brand them. And I'm telling you, man, when, when that cow is branded, boy, you know it hurts, okay? Uh, but, you know what's really weird? When they sear that, you can come back and touch that branded spot a year later with a brand, and they'll never feel it. As long as you're right on the very, where it's been seared, because the nerve endings are all seared. They don't feel anything. And that's what happens. We get too far with a hardened heart, eventually our conscience is seared, and it's near impossible. You know, God can do anything. But it's a lot harder to reach somebody with a seared heart. Honestly. And we, we, so it's important that we don't get to that, this place. When this happens, we lose out on the peace and joy afforded us in the presence of our Lord. We are unable to enter into His rest. We are unable to show proper gratitude and respect to our Lord. Uh, one anonymous person once said, Gratitude is an offering Precious in the sight of God. And it is one that the poorest of us can make. And be not poorer but richer for having made it. Gratitude. Being thankful. Coming into his presence with thanksgiving. Do you come before his presence with thanksgiving? This morning we have seen three incentives that should bring all of us into God's presence with thanksgiving. We must be mindful that being thankful is the will of God. And when we are thankful, it results in worship to God, where we can rejoice in His salvation and His strength. Finally, we have the incentive of the warnings from God. We need to hear His voice and be obedient to His leading and guiding in our lives. We also must not harden our hearts. How do we keep our hearts tender toward God? By staying in the Word. By staying in the Word. Hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin Against him. When we allow these incentives to guide us, we will surely come into his presence with thanksgiving. If you're able to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to offer just a short moment of invitation. Are you thankful this morning? Are you thankful for your salvation? Are you thankful for God's strength? Uh, are, are you trusting only in his salvation or as a believer, do you trust him with your life? With everything? Uh, will you trust him with your finances? With your marriage? With your health? Or whatever whatever things that are trials you may be going through and difficulties. Believers, use this time now as the, as the music plays. Uh, just take this time to pray and, and to reflect on your thankfulness to him as he is worthy. If, if you feel the Lord leading, uh, the Holy Spirit guiding, don't be afraid to come forward to an old-fashioned altar.